So with this, let us dive into the Word of God today. And you know me, I will ask you to read a very lengthy passage, but not today. Not today. So may I request the congregation to please stand as we give reverence to the reading of the Word of God. And our passage is found on Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. If you're reading from other versions, that's okay. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let us read, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. May the Lord be worshipped and praised for the reading of his word. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today. We ask that you will be with us. Lord, be with your people today as we listen, as we study, as we reflect and meditate on your word. Lord, may we see your truth and apply them in our lives. Be with us today. All this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us all be seated. Last week, Pastor Well shared with us this title and this sermon about longing for God. And this longing for God is our impetus or our catalyst for revival. It is the yearning for God, yearning, longing for God. And that will lead us to search and yearn for God, that longing. And we know and we understand that that longing for God is not something that is innate in us. That longing for God is God-initiated longing. Now today, I believe you will agree with me that the journey of yearning for God will lead us to the Word of God. In other words, the yearning to love, worship God will be empty and impossible without the Word of God. Therefore, the Word of God is very important. So there is a relationship between the yearning for God and revival. And that yearning for God will lead us to the Word of God. Find me a person who says that he's been revived, he's yearning for God, but he's not yearning the Word of God. That is not true. That's antithetical. That's antithesis. So I entitled this sermon, Revival and the Word. Because revival is primarily sustained by the Word of God. And by now, whenever we see, whenever we present the word revival, I hope, that it will, you will not picture ra-ra-ra, celebratory tone, like, yeah, revival, this is revival. That's part of it. I'm not saying it's not. But revival is about transformation of our lives. Whenever you see revival, it must be a transformed life. That's what revival is all about. If we want to know whether or not revival is happening in our lives, we will look into at least four things that I will present to you today with our short time together. How we treat and regard the Word of God will determine our state of revival. What are the things we need to observe in ourselves? What are the things that we need to see in ourselves happening so that we would know that we are revived? How we treat, regard the Word of God will determine our state of revival. And so today, I will lead you to a study of Jesus and his favorite opponents. Sino mga favorite opponents ni Jesus? Yung mga sinners ba? The religious leaders. We will try to look at their stories because I think with those stories, we can find the perfect examples of how to treat the Word of God and how not to treat the Word of God. Their verbal clashes. We will look into that a little later. So, before I start, let me just give you this statement. Say amen in your mind because you could not speak, right? If you believe this, the word of God should inform our minds, influence our actions, and shape our being. If you agree with that, 
Will you please raise your hand? Do you agree with that? O sa yung iba, gusto niyo makipag-debate sa akin. If you believe, thank you. If you believe this statement is, is true, that the Word of God should inform our minds, influence our action, and shape our being, how does the Word of God inform your minds? What informs your minds? What do I mean by that? What sort of information, what sort of data that you store in your mind? What are the things that you read? What are the things that you listen to? What are the things that you watch? What are the things that you consume? Or what are the things that you fill your minds with? And with these thoughts that you fill your minds with, how does it influence you? How does the Word of God influence your actions or your interactions with other people? How does the Word of God shape you? How does the Word of God mold you to become a Christian? How does the Word of God inform, influence, and shape your being? You know, I like the text that we have read today, the Word, and in His word or in this statement, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. I like that statement. I like that statement that we delight because delight means to be excited about. You take pleasure from. That's what delight is all about. And I like it. Your delight is in the law of the Lord because I would say this. Whenever we treat, regard the word of God, there is no middle ground. You either go this way or that way. Binary lang siya. Binary. Yung mga IT, you know that, di ba? Binary is 0, 1, 1, 0, 0, It's only 0 or 1. It couldn't be 0, 0.01. There's no 0.5 there. You only do this or do this. And today, we will look into the stories of Jesus Christ. And we will see what happens, how people treat the Word of God. As I've mentioned, there's no middle ground. Middle ground. If you love the Word of God, if you delight in the Word of God, if you obey in the, the Word of God, and if the Word of God liberates you, that's what happens when you are revived. And so today, I'll start with my first point. You know that revival is happening in your life when you regard or when you see or perceive the Word of God with delight and not burden. You know that revival is happening in your life if you perceive the Word of God with such delight, such excitement. Excited ba kayo magbasa ng banal na kasulatan? Are you excited to read the Word of God? We have the Enchainis Bible Reading Plan. There are four sections of reading. Para makulas kayo dun sa Enchainis. Now, the first thing here is that how are you, what kind of excitement do you have when you read the Word of God? Now, let us look at this story the story about the greatest commandment. We will look at this story and see how the word of God is being delighted or how people treat it with delight or how people treat it with such a burden. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, we see there the story of this greatest commandment. Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, I mean, by a lawyer, and he asked this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? I'll ask you this question. Is that a good question or not? Raise your hand if you say, that is a good question. Raise your hand. That is a good question. That is not a good question. You don't know what I'm talking about. You're very participative, that's a good question. That's a good question. This lawyer asked him, 
what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered him very profoundly. Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. One on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, the question was actually to test Jesus Christ. The lawyer here is not just asking which of the, all the commandments, the Mosaic law and all of these laws will be the best. Because for him, it's not just about asking that question. He is asking the question because he is precisely incising this point. He wanted to see, this lawyer wanted to see, what's the hierarchy? Which of these? He wanted the hierarchy. He wanted the structure. That's why he want, he's asking that question. Because for the teacher of the law, it's a mere duty for him. It's a mere duty for him. It's a burden for him to follow God. It's a burden for him to obey the word of God. And why do I say that? Because all of these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they have wrapped themselves into the law. They tucked themselves neatly into the law. And they wanted to know whether or not in the hierarchy of the commandments, they are now into the God-accepted level. So, matanong ko kaya kay Jesus, if what's the greatest commandment? Probably, I am already there. He is asking what hierarchy now I'm in. Probably, I am now fulfilling, complying with the greatest commandment. They view that the law will be such a burden that at least if they go into that level, it will be okay. For them, the law, the word of God must be complied with because that is their way of salvation. That is their obedience. Moreover, that is their way of performance, outward appearance. For them, the strict observance of the law is about my way, my following God, my righteousness, my strict regimented strict conformity. Yan. But how did Jesus answer the lawyer? How did he answer? Yan ang gusto-gusto ko sa inyo. Isa-isa lang ang sagot. Sabay-sabay kayo. I know that you cannot answer on people on the decade. So mga people sa YouTube and Facebook, please answer. How did he answer? You shall love you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Look at how God answered it. Whenever these teachers of the law, the lawyers, approach the scripture, it does not give them a spark of joy as it's maricondo. It doesn't give them spark. But what gives a spark when you obey, when you delight in the word of God? It will lead you to love. Because when you love, it is no longer a burden to you. And that is why Jesus stunned them with the answer. He started with the word, love. You shall love. Love. Hindi nga sinabing, by the way, this is one, two, three. All the ceremonial laws, all of this. No, Jesus went to the very core. He answered the essence of the question. He did not go into the trimmings of it. He did not go to the side cuts of it. He went to the very core, love. And that is not, and that main thing, that love is not something that they are very fond of. None of them is delighted with love. Because for them, for the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the lawyers, this is a burden. Jesus went straight to the core. He said, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a measure of quantity, hierarchy, structure. It's about virtue. It's about loving people. Because if you ask them about the adherence of the law, they will be one with it. Tapaka number one in a They can give you what they've got. They will follow the law strictest, the letter of the word. 
The question on hierarchy, the question on importance, the question on whether or not they into the God level accepted is no longer an issue. Why? Because Jesus made quick to the core, straight, bullseye, love. They missed it. Because for them, following the word of God, they regard the word of God, they regard the law of God as a burden. They do not delight. And I hope you're not like that. So you either treat the scripture with delight or burden. The second one is that what happens when you are now in a, in a mode or state of revival? How, do you, how should you regard the word of God? You would know that you are in a state of revival if you love the word of God. You either love it or hate it. Again, there's no middle ground. Now, what I mean by loving the word of God does not just mean reading it. If you read all the scriptures, say, oh, sister, I've read the M. Cheney's. Ikaw nga, hanggang day one lang. Ako nga, day 10, tapos na eh. That's good. I'm not saying it's bad. You should. We encourage you to read it. But if you're just reading it for the sake of reading it, if you just enjoy the stories of the Bible, you're just reading literature. How do you know that you love the Word of God? You know that you love the Word of God when you apply it. That is the main determinant that you love the Word of God. Not just reading it. Because I could read it from cover to cover. Many of you perhaps read these scriptures cover to cover. That is not the issue. That's not the hierarchical, structural issue here. The issue is, do you love it? Do you apply it? Loving the Word of God is not just reading it. Anybody could read. You call a person outside, read the Bible, they can read it. But will they apply it? Because that is the test of true love. You apply the Word of God. How is the Word of God relevant to you? How does it inform your mind, influence your action, and shape your being? That is the great determining test of whether or not you love the Word of God. Let us look into this story. I will take a little time with this story because it's a very beautiful one. And pardon me for lingering on this. The story of a good Samaritan. Again, a lawyer. Good thing I don't do this anymore. A lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Teacher, he asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Is the question good or not? Ayan. Itaas ang kamay kung good, not good. It's a good question. Jesus answered, what is written in the law? You're a lawyer, right? You should know the law. Every lawyer, people who went to law school, should know the law. That's basic. What's written in the law? How do you read it? I don't know whether this lawyer heard the earlier conversation. He said, he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Either to nakinig niya or nalaman niya somewhere. Jesus answered, Correctly. Do this and you shall live. Ano yung pinapagawa ni Jesus? You love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Do this. Now, the lawyer wanting to justify himself. Again, they're into regimented strict conformity. What is the question? And who is my neighbor? He did not ask, who is God? Did you notice that? Because by right, they should know who God is. But he wanted to ask this because they wanted to flaunt it. He said, and who is my neighbor? Beautifully, Jesus gave us the story of the Good Samaritan. I will not read this, but here's the summary. There is this man, I would safely assume that he is a Jew because he's from Jerusalem, it says here. But he didn't say he's a Jew, but he's from Jerusalem. Let's assume, safely assume that he's a Jew. He went to the way, and then on his way, he fell into the hands of the robbers. He was robbed. He was almost left dead, lying down there, perhaps bleeding. Who came first? The 
priest. Does the priest know the word of God? What do you think? I think they do. They know it to the letter of it. What did the priest do? He didn't just, not just look. He went to the other side. Because for them, touching someone who might be dead or is bleeding will, will make them unclean. Mas mahalaga sa kanila na huwag silang maging unclean kaysa tumulong. So, perhaps, in the mind of the priest, may ceremony pa akong gagawin, I could not touch you. So he went to the other side. But anyway, he did not touch you. A Jew. Second one, a Levite. And we know what a Levite is, right? A Levite are from the tribe of Levi and they serve the temple. Am I right? What did that Levite do? So, and went to the other side. And here comes the Samaritan. Helped him, gave him, anointed him, and even put him uh, on his donkey, uh, and then went to the inner side. If there's something else that you need, or if this one will have debts to you, I will pay for it. Now, here's where the story goes very interesting. He said, Jesus asked, going back to the lawyer, he said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Because what is the original question? Who is my neighbor? Very good. Who proves to be a good neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Okay, I will ask you, who proved to be a good neighbor? The Samaritans. Very good. Very good children. Very good. You're listening. Look how the lawyer answered. Verse 37. It was recorded here specifically. What is the answer? The one who showed him mercy. Is the answer of the lawyer correct? Correct? It is correct. But as a lawyer, this is not accurate answer. The accurate answer is your answer a while ago, the Samaritan. Jesus named it the Samaritan, the Samaritan, the Samaritan. But you see, the Jews and the Samaritans don't go eye to eye. They treat them with such derision. They treat them as a second class, third class, even fifth class citizen. They don't like Samaritans. And suddenly in this story, the neighbor that Jesus was trying to tell them is the Samaritan. That lawyer could not even mention the name Samaritan. Have you seen it there? The one who showed him mercy. Wow! The one who showed him mercy. Not Samaritan. You see, what if God is asking you to love what is written in the law? That was asked precisely by Jesus to the lawyer. What is written in the law? Love the Lord your God and that's what, what is in the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, that's in the law. Now, who is your neighbor? The Samaritan. He could not even mention it. He could not even say Samaritan because what he wanted is that my neighbor should be with the same class of people that I interact with. God is calling us to love our neighbors and your neighbor might not be the neighbors that you want. Who Those people who have hurt you. Those people who gossip about you. Those people who have hurt you terribly are your neighbors and God is calling you to love them because they are your neighbors. Jesus stunned this lawyer. Jesus probably sticker, I got you. I got you there. Because these people know the Lord. Remember in the story, they were able to answer very squarely what's written in the law. If you will find it in the earlier verses, right? But do they love it or they hate it? They hate it. Because suddenly now Jesus turned the table and said, your neighbor, by the way, is a Samaritan. Remember what the law says? Love your neighbor. Your neighbor is someone that you don't love. You don't want to love. Kumukulong dugo mo pag nakikita mo. Siya ang neighbor mo. What is the great determinant that you love the word of God? Or you read? You delight in the word of God? By applying it. Yun ang sinasabi ni Yesus sa kanila. Same with us. 
And I hope we're not like this. You either love it or hate it. No middle ground. It's just a binary. Zero or one. You choose. The third point is that you know that you are in a revival if you treat the word of God with delight, you treat it with love, and you treat the word of God with obedience. You obey the word of God. You can either obey the word of God or ignore it. There's no middle ground. Obedience must be full and total. No middle. Half obedience is disobedience. Half truth is a lie. When I was working in the law office, meron kami pinaprepare na kaso. Sabi sa akin ng aking boss, my boss told me. So I was preparing the pleading and my boss told me, what is this, Ray? What are you trying to say here? This is not what, what I wanted. I said, so what do you want? I'm not asking you to lie. I'm just telling you not to offer the truth. <laughs> well, in law, wala tayong pakialam. Sinasabi niya, wala tayong pakialam. If they will tell us that it is their duty to point us that we are wrong, not that we will admit that we are wrong. So don't offer them the truth, but don't lie. And now you know why I quit law, law I mean, the legal practice. You either obey or you dismiss it altogether. Look at this story, rich young man ruler in Matthew 19, chapter, verses 16 to 22. And behold, a man came to him, teacher, what good did must I do to have eternal life? Now that you're a Christian, is this question good or not? Good or not? Who says it's good? Ask to come it's a good question. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Is that a good question? And I suddenly became terrified with your answers. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Good question or not? I think we, Pastor Ruel, I think we all need to teach them again the gospel. <laughs> now, look at this story. Jesus wanted to refrain because that question is not a good question. Look at that. Sabi niya, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. He's saying, wait a minute. Don't say you want to do good because you cannot be good. Right? So Jesus is giving him a reframing question because at the very onset, this rich young ruler had a very wrong paradigm with the question, what good deed must I do to inherit the kingdom of life? Have you forgotten your Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not by your good works. Ay, kung kalaban ko kayo, natalo ko na kayo sa korte. No. So Jesus is trying to refrain him. Why do you ask me good? There's no one is good. Di ba tama? Jesus is trying to save him. But sabi niya, okay, if you want to enter the kingdom of life, da 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 do and keep the commandment. Na sabi niya, ano ba yun? Do, do shall not steal, murder, love your neighbor as yourself, honor your father and mother. Anong sabi ng rich and your ruler, this. All this, I have kept. What do I still lack? Siguro, dadramahan ko ng konti. Lord, all this I have kept. What is still that I lack? Parang lahat, Lord, nagawa ko na eh. May kulang pa ba ako? Laging may kulang. Jesus confronted him na laging may kulang because you cannot be good. That is why in the earlier verses, Jesus is trying to reframe him. You are doing half obedience. What did I say? Half obedience is disobedience. Half truth is a lie. And Jesus stunned him to prove to him that you are not good. Kasi hindi ako nakuha yung unang reframing. Jesus said, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess 
give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Sabi ng rich young ruler, suminghap lang siguro siya, at sabi niyang, okay. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, the first reading of this is that you sell your property as a Christian and give it to me. You can give it to me, a dead best friends na tayo. But that is not if you, if a pastor said, oh, see, give your possessions to the, that's not what Jesus meant here. Jesus is trying to tell him, you're not good. There's only one that is good, God. And people always miss this. It's not about your half-baked, half-obedience. It's not about that. It's about my mercy. It's about my grace. And that is why following this, you could read the following verses here is that when the apostles heard that, they say, huh, that's a rich young ruler, rich, young, probably good-looking, da-da-da-da-da, and following the law of God. He could not enter the kingdom of God. How much more myself? Paano na ako? Mas kawawa ako. Sabi ng Panginoon, with human beings, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. That's the context of all things are possible. Because by yourself, you cannot be saved because you are not good. But because of the mercy and grace of God, you will be saved. You become possibly, you become possible. Salvation becomes possible to you. Why? But because of your good works? Because of the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. The rich young ruler, the person, the lawyer in the Good Samaritan missed that. And the person who asked the greatest commandment missed that grace and mercy element all the time. They missed it. He thinks that he obeyed the law already. He thought that he could earn his way to heaven with his half-baked obedience. But if we truly delight in the law of God, that will not be half-baked obedience. It will be full submission to God. Full submission to God. Because you know what's gracious and merciful with God? Who has complied? Who has satisfied? Who has obeyed perfectly on your behalf? Who? Who made it all possible? Who obeyed God perfectly on your behalf? Because you cannot obey God perfectly. Can you? You can't, right? But who obeyed that for you? Who satisfied it? Jesus. And so, Jesus was trying to tell the rich young ruler, you see, you're asking me, what's in the law? They're always referred to the law. Both camps know the law. But do they obey the word of God? Or they ignore What do you think happened? Did the rich young ruler obey or ignore the word of God? Huh? He ignored. Jesus demands full submission by his grace and by his mercy. By your own, left alone to yourself, you cannot fully submit yourself to God. If just myself, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't come and serve God. We have a better paying way outside. Mas maganda doon, may title ako. Manager, chuchu, o ano-ano. Dito, brother lang. But I'm not after that. But Jesus demands submission. By Allah, I won't go. I tell you, I won't. I will not. Sabi ko nga, this, the practice should have been the hub of my career. Not this one. Small time ito. But Jesus demanded my full submission. It's only by His grace, only by His mercy, the reason why I'm here. He made me love the Word of God. He made me love His service. It's His, not me. Kasi kung ako lang wala ako dito, I can tell you that. Honestly. O di mababait naman kayo sa akin. Kaya makikin hindi mababait sa akin na huwag niyo ako masyadong sasaktan. But, but honestly, that's joking aside. But honestly, Jesus demands full submission. He knows the rich young ruler was actually fake. You could either obey the word of God or ignore it. 
And lastly, you know that the word of God has revived you if the word of God liberates you. What is the, another word for liberate? Starts with letter F. Freedom. Freedom. You should be free. When you approach the word of God, when you read the word of God, the word of God should liberate your mind. It should free your mind. I say that because we've mentioned this over and over again. There is no revival without the Holy Spirit. Do you agree with that? Yes. And 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, When there is a Spirit of God, there is freedom. So if God is in the revival, the Holy Spirit is in the revival, the Holy Spirit is there, there will be freedom. And that is one transformative power of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit, in the movement or the act of revival. Your mind will be liberated. That is why, my dear brothers and sisters, the message of repentance is good news to us. Why? Because repentance is about changing our minds. And when you change your mind, it liberates you. Change your mind against your sin. It changes your mind on how you view God. A change of mind. Because if you have a change of mind, it will liberate you. And that is what repentance is all about. Because repentance, confession means a change of mind. Am I right? And that is why the call of God to repentance, the call of God to revival, is good news to us. Don't say that this preacher always say, repent, repent, doom and gloom. No. The the preaching of repentance is good news to you and me because God is calling you to a reformed, new, liberated mind. At yung mga tao, mga mali na nasa mga kulto, mga mali katuruan, they don't want a liberated or a free mind because they could shackle them, they could imprison them. The word of God should liberate us, not restrains us. Let us look at this story, the healing on the Sabbath. This is our last story. One Sabbath, when he went to dine in because of the rule of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, I hope this will not be a lawyer again. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Dropsy means nagkaroon siya ng swollen uh, body parts. Don't ask me, I'm not a doctor. And Jesus responded to the lawyers. Mga abogado talaga, ano? Responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Because of that, they remained silent and he took him and healed him and sent him away. What is the question? Is it lawful? What is your answer? Oh, in your mind. Kasi di ba bawal kayo magsalita? In your mind. You're not supposed to speak. In your mind. Is the question good question or bad question? <laughs> That's very daring. Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath or not? Is it lawful? The, yes or no? Kinakabahan talaga kami sa mga sagot ninyo. It's not lawful. Because as a Jew, they're not supposed to work or to do anything on a Sabbath day. They're not even supposed to wash their dishes. Magagalit ang asawa ko kung Sabbath. Or I will probably say, I will love Sabbath. Because I don't have to, of course, ito ito yung tagabugas namin sa bahay. But, you know, that would be happy people who don't want to wash dishes. But, it's not lawful. It is not lawful. The lawyers are asking the right question this time. How did Jesus answer it? He answered it this way. Which of you, having a son or an ox that's fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him up? Is it lawful? No, it's not. 
but is it right to help someone even during Sabbath? What is the answer? Yes. So it's not about your strict regimented conformity with the law. It's about grace. The question, the lawyer did not ask the question, is it right to heal on a Sabbath? That's not the question. What is the question? Is it lawful? Kung abogado ka, dapat nag-object ka dun sa korte. I object. The, and the question is not responsive. Anong, anong question? Is it lawful? Of course it is not. But that is not the question. I would have objected. Jesus would have objected with this. And he did. Because what he's saying, it is not lawful. But is it right? Yes, it is right. Every time, anytime will be an opportunity, will be an opportune time to help someone in need. Whether or not it's Sabbath. So the question there is that it is legal or not. The legality is not issue. You're still missing again the point. It restrained them. But Jesus is telling them, liberate yourself. Palayain ninyo yung mga sarili. Maling paniniwala. Napaka-regimented, napaka-strict. Walang grace, walang mercy. Jesus answered it squarely. It's not lawful, but it's always right. You know, in law, it's not all the time that it's legal, it's moral. If you studied law, meron ba rito nag-aral ng law, abogasya, maliban sa atin? Pasalamat, walang na, nahirate sa ginawa ako nung araw. Not all legal things are moral. In the Philippines, for instance, gambling is legal, but is that moral? Not necessarily. So Jesus answered it very squarely. It is not about the legality. It's about the right thing to do. You miss it again, the point. Sabi ng Panginoon, look, chapter 11, verse 46, Woe to you, as well, experts in the law. Read the Bible, just reading it for the sake of reading it. You weigh men down with heavy burdens, but you yourselves will not lift a finger to lighten their load. Yan, nirebuke na sila ni Jesus. And there are so many things that we do. Let me just point it out to you. There are so many things in our minds we practice as a Christian, or perhaps you practice this, huh? that does not liberate you. Because you're not reading the word of God, you're not applying it in your lives. The Word of God should liberate us. I was talking to ladies, single ladies, and this is an application. To the many things. Huwag sabihin, ito lang gusto kong ipahiwatig sa inyo. Ha? To the many things, how the Word of God liberates our mind. I was talking to these ladies, and they're all singles. And can we please confess as a church, let us not push people to get married. Let us not push people to be, to be married. You know why? Because that does not liberate them. It is as if we're saying that the Jesus of those who are married couples is, is, is greater than the Jesus who are single. That is not true. That's not biblical. The Jesus that makes us happy as married couple will be the same Jesus that makes you happy as a single person. There's no difference. We have different life journey, that's given, but that does not mean that you will be less happy because you're not. What will make you happy is Jesus, not a spouse. And I mean single, not only those who have been married from the very beginning. Those who have been probably in a very abusive relationship and went and their relationship persevered, remain to be a single. And those probably who are widowed, they're also single. Let us not push them. We should confess sa church. Lagi natin sinasabi, O ikaw, napag-iwanan ka na sa kalendaryo. What do I say? Oh, mga bata, mga young Christians, it should liberate you. It should be liberating to know that I don't need a boyfriend or a girlfriend to be happy or to be complete or to have a relationship because Jesus is everything. <laughs> Lahat na pumapalakpak singgil, alam ko. But that's okay. From now on, as a church, we will not push them. It's okay to be single and be happy with Jesus. 
Now, if you're married, don't ever think that you want to be single as well. Don't. <laughs> Simple thing, but it liberates our mind. Is that liberating to know that I don't need someone to make me happy? Isn't that liberating? For married couples who have no children, for instance, huwag yun isa lang pinupush, kailan ba magkakaanak ikaw? Tapos ko, ano, pregsabi natin, uminom ng, well, di ba, meron kami isang friend, uminom ng alpine, kung ano-ano. Let's confess that. I tell this to the couples here in this church who may not have children, the joy that we got for having children will not be different from the joy that Jesus will give you without having children. Serve God. Serve God. It should liberate you that your joy will not be based on the children that you have or a spouse or a person. It should liberate your mind. That is what the Word of God does to us. It should shape our mind, our actions, our thoughts, that it would give us a lot of joy. Not a burden anymore, but a delight. That is what the Word of God gives us. And so I will end here. True revival, my dear friends, lead us to delight, love, and obey the Word of God. And that delighting, loving, and obeying the Word of God will result to our freedom, freedom to live a God-glorifying life. Meron ba kayong iniisip na hindi nakakapag-liberate o nakakapagpalaya ng inyong isip? Basahin ninyo ang salita ng Diyos, sundin ninyo ang salita ng Diyos, mahalin ninyo ang salita ng Diyos, it would liberate you. Baka naniniwala pa kayo sa mga usog, buyag, kung ano-ano. Imagine, it will not liberate your mind. Gabing-gabi, nisip mo, naku, may sakit yung anak ko, sino kayo nakapatili ko? Tinawagan mo, may pero ka pang pag-gen, ano, g-chat, pinas mo pa sa Facebook, sino man po sa inyo bumati sa anak ko, any one of you, please, pumunta po kayo at lawayan ninyo yung anak ko. Is that liberating or restraining? Restraining. That is not what the Bible teaches. Revival should lead us to delight, love, and obey the Word of God, which will result to live a life of freedom, to live a God-glorifying life. Glorify God. Glorify God. And so I hope you can find this in the Scriptures. I hope it will encourage you today. Read the Word of God. Read it. Love it. Savor it. And I tell you, it will liberate your mind. Anong sitwasyon yung naririto ngayon? Di ba pinalawa na tulos nyo? That might be a fact of your life. But that's not the truth. The fact is you are sick. But the truth is God heals. So always dichotomize that. The Word of God will lead us to that life. And I hope today I have encouraged you and we have encouraged one another to love, obey, delight on the word of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today that you have led us to study your word. And Lord, we thank you for leading us to your word because your word is life. Lord, we thank you today that you are with us. And Lord, we thank you because you are leading us to a life that is pleasing to you. You are leading us to a life that is glorifying to you. That indeed, Lord God, if we are revived, if we are in the mode of revival, these words of life, Lord God, will make us and will give us delight. It will lead us to love you. It will lead us to obedience and freedom. And so, Father, today I pray that these words of life will pierce our hearts today, convict us of our sins, and lead us to righteousness and repentance because you have called us to repentance, to have a new perspective about life, to leave our sins behind and follow you to a life that is glorifying you. That we should leave all these things behind, Lord. Those vices, those addictions that bring us death. But you're leading us to a life that is holy, a life that is righteous. And that would bring us life. And your words have taught us that. 
Lord, encourage your people today, whatever it is that they're going through with their situations. Right now, at this very moment, may your words comfort them. May your words encourage them. Whatever their life's journey might be at this very moment. They might be single. They might be a couple wanting to have children. They, they might be probably wanting to do something else. Or Lord, I don't know what's going on in their mind. But Lord, we believe that your word will affirm to them your love, your affection, your comfort, your encouragement. All we have to do, Lord, is to open this book and read it, listen to it, ponder on it. That it should shape us. It should inform us. Thank you, Father, for today. Bless your people today, I pray, and may they love your word now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let us all stand to receive the benediction. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask, think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever, in the name of our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And let us respond in our hearts. Amen. Amen. God bless you, our dear brothers and sisters. For those of you who are watching and joining us online, please do join us again next week. And God bless you all.